Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Let's read it. It says this, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. Now this is 700 years before Jesus is actually born. So this is a prophecy in Isaiah of Jesus to come. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called. And here's four things that Jesus is called. He's called Wonderful Counselor. He's called Mighty God. He's called Everlasting Father. And the last one is? Come on, say it like you mean it. Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. Now go to Luke chapter 2 real quick. And we're going to read this one. If uh, any of you have watched, how many like the, uh, the um, Charlie Brown Christmas? How many Charlie Brown Christmas fans I got in here? I love Charlie Brown Christmas. How many know when Linus goes, lights please? Just to give you a little sneak preview, something like that may happen on the 21st here on for Christmas service. Anyways, Luke chapter 2, verse 10. And the angel of the Lord, so picture Linus saying this. And the angel, of the Lord, uh, and the angel said to them, sorry, fear not. Well, that's easy to say when you don't have a huge angel in front of you. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Everybody say all the people. All the people. For unto you, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, so imagine this, you got one angel shows up on the scene and says, fear not, Savior of the world's here, it's great news for everybody, you got one. And then all of a sudden after he finishes that, thousands of them show up on the scene. And they flood this one angel and look at what they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, it's the word, Come on, say it again. Peace Peace among those with whom he is pleased. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for every person that's here in this, mor- this morning that you have drawn them here and that you want to speak to us. God, we have prepared our hearts. We're ready. So speak. God, I pray, Lord, that whatever you speak to us, God, that you would then also, by your Holy Spirit, give us the power to change and apply and to see transforms our hearts today. God, save people today that are far from you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen, amen. You know, for many of us, Christmas is the best season of the year. And for others of us, it is the worst season of the year. There's a lot that goes on in the Christmas season. Crazy schedules, got to get everything done. You got to get all the presents wrapped. You got to go get the actual presents. Let's just find out. We'll divide. We'll divide the room real quick. How many of you, we'll find out. How many of you are fake tree people? Raise your hand. How many of you are real tree people? Raise your hand. Okay, why? Anyways, uh, how many of you, let's just find out right here. How many of you are, are, are Black Friday Christmas shoppers? Raise your hand. How many of you are like Black Friday sleepers? Raise your hand. Amen. How many of you Cyber Monday shoppers? <laughs> Come on, that's smart people. All right. Um, how many of you, let's see here. How many of you can, you can open your presents on Christmas only? Christmas only. Opening presents on Christmas only. 25th. Okay, how many of you, you can open presents on the 24th. 24th is okay with a couple on 25th. How many, okay, all right. Just want to make sure y'all, y'all were cool. Okay, y'all are good. All right. 
There's a lot that goes on. There's a lot. You've got to get the house cleaned up, decorations up. We've, we, we put our decorations up last weekend, and that's a big tradition for my wife. And So it's got to be perfect. You've got to have Christmas music on. You know what I'm talking about? You've got to have it. Can't have anything else. Christmas music's on. Everybody's participating. How many of you know, how many of you know that can be a really demonic time, though? Can I get an amen on Sunday? Can I get an amen from any husbands in the house? I need this, and I need this. Can you put this here? Can you put that there? Why ain't everybody helping? Where are you going? Come on, let's go. This is family. Did you know? It's Christmas time. Peace in the house. But instead of it being a peaceful time, for many people, it's a time full of anxiety. It's a time full of stress. It's a time full of heartache. I know, uh, you know, for many people, I mean, just even this weekend, we had a lady in our church had a miscarriage. We had another lady that had her, her father pass away. And so we know that at this Christmas, there's going to be some empty seats at the table. And that's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. We know that, uh, you know, things happened this year that maybe weren't too good. Or maybe you lost a job and you can't spend money like you used to in previous years. And so it's difficult. Or, or maybe you got, you got the whole in-laws and outlaws coming in. And so these are people you, you try to avoid the rest of the year anyways. And now you've got to see them. And there's just a lot of bad blood there, and, and, and you just don't like to get into all that stuff. Am I hitting on a nerve? Anybody understanding? Anybody dealing with this? You know, it's just things that go on within our lives. It can be a bit chaotic. And I think if we were to use a word to describe Christmas, crazy might be one of them. Joyful might be one of them. Busy can be one. I think depressed can be another but I think one word that we would probably rarely ever use for the Christmas season is peace. Now, if you watched on Facebook Black Friday shoppers, which I find it hilarious, you know where I'm going with this. On Thursday, we stop and give God thanks for everything that he's blessed us with. And then on Friday... And now the sad thing is on Thursday, we show our hearts that we're really not that grateful. Shows, shows the condition of our society. But Luke chapter 2 is the story of Jesus. Jesus is already born. The, the, heaven, the angels come and pronounce that uh, he is here. Now I want you to think about this because the birth of Jesus is anything but a peaceful situation. Let me walk you through it if you, if you don't know the story of Jesus. And let, answer with, with me if you think this is a peaceful situation. So a teenage girl gets pregnant, and she's got to explain to her mom and dads and all of her families that God got her pregnant. You ever tried that one? <laughs> she's nine months pregnant, and they decide that they got to travel across the country on a donkey. Nine months pregnant. Some of y'all don't want to drive in a car nine months pregnant. Nevertheless, a donkey. They pull into town, and you know she's freaking out, and she's got, I'm going to have this baby. Get me a place. And every husband's seen the face and knows, you better get me a place now. And so the husband is frantically looking. Joseph's knocking on hotel doors and going, sorry, we're full, sorry, we're full, sorry, we're full. And finally, one just has pity on him and says, listen, I know it's not like the cream of the crop, but I do got one little place for you. And he's like, I will take it. And he's like, it's around the back. 
And sure enough, goes and leads them to a barn. And I'm, I, I, if you're a husband, you're, you're probably cringing at what your wife is saying in her mind as you tell her, it's in the back. And then as you go around the back and see it, looking at Mary and going, are you serious? And yet again, she has this beautiful baby in the midst of a barn and animals and everything that comes along with animals, and she gives birth with no epidural. That sounds peaceful. And Jesus is born, and the Prince of Peace enters the planet Earth. And king Herod gets threatened after he finds out that there's a new king in town, and he goes and says, you know what? Go find this boy. And you know what? Kill him. But I don't know if we can find him, so let's just, every two-year-old male that's within our city, just kill all of them too. Peace is here. Doesn't sound like it. And then we fast forward to our day and age, and we see people, and I don't think we think we have peace. We got churches that are fighting and stressed out. We got people that are in arguments together. We got people filled with anxiety. People are on more depression pills now than ever before in the history of the world. Studies have shown that many Christian marriages end in more divorces than actually those that are non-Christian. Most people who are making far more money today than ever in the history of the world are yet under more financial pressure than ever history in the world. You turn on the news and all you see is riots and racism and fighting and political junk and thank God that's over. And our country's at war, and we start asking, and I'll be honest, this is the question that I ask myself. If Jesus is the Prince of Peace, did he fail? Because in light of what our country is going through right now, is peace even possible? Because it doesn't look good. So, I know the answer to that. He didn't fail, okay? So... So don't, don't doubt my theology there. I know he didn't fail. But I doubt it at times. I'm sure as sure as you do. And especially for people that are non-Christians, when they hear about that he's the Prince of Peace, and then yet they see what goes on in most churches, they go, well, the Prince of Peace don't live there. And, and so I want us to learn about what peace is from the Prince of Peace. Can we do that today? So turn to Mark chapter 4. How many of you like stories? How many of you like when you read stories, like things come alive to you when you got stories, like movies and all that? Like you can recall things. Okay, I love stories. And this is a story of Jesus. And I hope through the story of Jesus we will see, um, we'll see because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And let's find out how Jesus handles stressful situations. Mark chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 35. We're going to start in verse 35. We're going to go to verse 41. And it says this, it says, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. So he's talking to all of his disciples. Hey guys, let's just, let's bail out of here. He just got done preaching. He said, let's get out of here. Let's go on to the other side. They jump in a boat, leaving the crowd. They took, took him with them in the boat just as he was, and other boats were with him. And, and watch this. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat. Into the boat. So that the boat was already, what was it doing? It's filling, okay? That's, that's a, uh-oh. That's not good. Shouldn't be happening. Verse 38, but he was, now watch this. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Like, we're sinking here. 
and you're taking a nap. And so the disciples, freaking out, run and wake him up, and they say to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? And he awoke, rebuked the wind, said, Peace be still, and went back to bed. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he looks at them, and he says this, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I want to talk to you about three things that I believe that we experience about peace. How many of you would like more peace? Raise your hand. How many you like more peace in your home, peace in your job, peace in your life? We all want peace. But I think we've got to understand these three things before we can really go anywhere. And, and this message for me, uh, I was telling Lindsay yesterday, I had a hard time with this one because there was just, really because there was so much. And I'm a type of guy, when I prepare my messages, I just, everything that's in my head, I get out on a paper, and then from there I begin to organize it and take things out and, and strip it down. And, and this message had so much stuff, I felt like I was so bogged down. And, um, and so I, when I get like that, I walk out and I usually go do something and then I come back because I'm just, I'm so clouded. So I did that yesterday. I was in my, in my study doing, doing that. I walked out, told Lindsay, man, I'm just, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around this one. And, uh, spent some time with Joel and hung out and played the Wii with him and Samuel and and went back in and God just began to start putting some of this stuff into order. And this is where I feel like God is, this was the challenge that he gave to me, and I'm, I want to share these three things with you because I feel like if there's, out of everything, that we can boil it down to this. Number one, let's write this down. Peace comes from someone, not something. Peace comes from someone, not something. I want to read a verse. You don't have to turn there because you should have it in your notes and you got it on the screen. But John 14, 27 says this. says, I am, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. This is Jesus at the end of his life. It's the last kind of things he's telling his disciples. And he goes, hey, guys, listen, I'm going to leave you with a gift. And they're like, oh, I love gifts. I love gifts. Here's the gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. How many know people go to great extreme measures to find, to buy, to create, to steal, to make a deal for peace? Everybody's looking for peace. Everybody wants peace. People are trying to find ways that they can buy it. They can make it happen. And uh, you can trouble-proof your entire life as much as you want, but you still can not have peace. Okay? You can have as much money in the world, but still not have peace. And, 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 and so many people are trying to find their peace in something and not in someone. And so, the, the way, so here's how you have peace of mind. You go get a 401k and you start putting a lot of money in it, and now i got peace. But things happen. Things happen. You know, we quarantine our kids so they won't be sick. And now i got peace because nobody's going to get sick. Well, things happen. You know, you protect our children for so long because we want to keep them at peace. But, but things happen. And, and if we are looking for peace in something, we will always be disappointed. It will always fail us. 
And then we'll go back to something and try to replace it again and again and again. We drink away, drink our sorrows away to have peace. But how many of you know it's just like an anesthetic? It just comes right back. And a lot of times it comes back even worse. So you got to medicate yourself for peace. You got some people, the way they get peace is they run away. Well, the problem is when you're the problem, you just ran away to yourself. Because <laughs> you're the problem. And so people are trying to run away to go find peace, but peace is not in something or in somewhere. It's in someone. And his name is Jesus, and he is the Prince of Peace. He tells us here that that's the gift that he gives us is his peace, and it's a gift that the world can't give. See, here's the deal. Jesus says, I'm going to give you a peace that the world can't take away because they didn't give it. And since they didn't give it, they can't take it. But most of us, we create our own anxieties, and then we, 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 we're fearing and fretting, and things are going on because of our own bad decisions, and this is, this is how it happens. And then we ask God for peace, but how can God give peace in a situation that you're creating? I know there's not a lot of amens on this one, but when you're creating the anxiety and then asking God for peace, God can't give peace because you are creating it. Are you with me? God gives peace in situations where you're not the problem. There's external issues that are going on. But when you're creating a whirlwind of havoc and fear and anxiety, you can't ask God to be peace in the midst of that because you're the one that's creating all those things. But Jesus is our peace. I I remember um, Lindsay's, growing up, she always had, her her mom would always rub her back. Lindsay uh, loved that. And so guess what? Guess what Josh has to do? Rubbing my back. Guess what all my boys we have to do? Rub their back. I, we can't just go, go to bed. Judah will go, Dad, you going to come rub my back? It's actually now, Mom, are you going to come rub my back? The only things my boys love me for is that I married this woman, I think. Because they love their mama. Some mama's boys. Because I, I walk in there and go, you're good. And I pray over them and all that stuff. And he goes, is Mama coming? Mama's taking a shower. She's okay. Okay, well, I'm going to stay awake till she goes. No, go to bed. It's something about mama. So anyways, she rubs her back. And I remember as a little, I remember Judah, my, our middle one, who's almost seven now, when he was a little baby, um, and, and all those that are in here that have babies that have been sleep deprived will understand this, that you walk into, you know, a crib, they're crying, and you're, and you're like, you know, patting them and rubbing the back and trying to do all the S's, you know, soothing and saying and singing and slapping and um, <laughs> swatting and shaking Don't act more holy than me. You know you've done it. But you've got a little extra, little extra oomph in that diaper. And I remember, this is how Judah was. If I, would, if I would put my hand on him, he'd stop. But as soon as I would take my hand off, he'd start crying. I put my, I'm, this is no lie. It's like it was a button. It's like when I pushed it, he was like. And then I took it So I started getting smart. This is what daddy, daddy found an animal that was about as weight as much as my hand was, and I would put the animal and slide out, and then I would leave. It's a trick. You're welcome. That's for free. So all you that had babies have had babies. Anyways, but there would be times where I'd have to walk in and go, daddy's here. Daddy's here. Calm down. Daddy's here. Daddy's here. Calm the situation down. 
I still even have to do that with, Ju with Joel even now. Um, you know, with all the stuff that we've gone on, Joel's been in a lot of pain since he's been back home. He's doing great, thank you, but he's in a lot of pain. And it's been hurting our hearts because we, we're, we're watching him on the monitor go, just throughout the night. He doesn't even know. He's just, he's hurting, so he's voicing it in his sleep. And there's been many nights, two or three in the morning, I'm like coming in there and I'm like, Daddy's here. I'll rub, I'll rub you back. Daddy's here. Calms him down. I, I bring all that up because here's what I want you to hear. If you've been in a situation where it's just all about stress and anxiety, your daddy's here. Amen. Your daddy's here. Yeah. He's going to put his hand on you. When we were in the hospital all two weeks, daddy was there. He was there. Anxiety, worry, all that's flooding your emotions, mind, all that's going on. But in the midst of that, you just feel, God, you're here. You're here. And so I want you to remember that when you want to go to freak out mode. And let me speak to wives here because we have a tendency to do it more. Us men do it, just not as vocal. But when you go into freak out mode, would you just stop for a minute and just go, Daddy, you're here. Jesus, I need you. Would you be my peace? Because right now, everything around me is not peaceful. Now, now remember this. Waves are crashing. Water's coming in. Boat looks like it's about to sink. Disciples are freaking out. And who's in the boat? Jesus. Did they forget who was in the boat? Who made the waves? The one in the boat. Not only that... They had seen so many miracles that Jesus had done before they even got in the boat. I just, I'll just read a couple of them. They saw Jesus rebuke and cast out demons. They saw Jesus turn water into wine. They saw Jesus heal lepers. They saw Jesus heal a paralytic man. They saw Jesus heal a withered hand. They saw Jesus walk on water. And so it wasn't like, hey, it's okay, guys. Jesus is in the boat. I mean, he made the water. He made all this stuff. We're going to be all right. It's a no, no problem. They're freaking out because they forgot that the person who made all this is in the boat. How, 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 how much is that similar to our own lives? We freak out forgetting that Jesus is in the boat. You know what I mean? He didn't get you where you are to just abandon you and leave you. Notice, now notice this, though. Jesus told them we're going to go to the other side. They were just being obedient, right? So this storm wasn't because like God was like punishing them, you know, like get in the boat and go to the other side. And then he's like, okay, watch this. Boom, 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 you know, from the shore. He wasn't doing it. He was in the boat with them. But yet in the midst of that, did God know, did Jesus know that a storm was coming? Answer? Yes. yes. So why would he do that? Well, we'll get to that answer in just a minute. But the disciples were so focused on the current storm that they had forgotten that the Savior of the world was in the boat and he could do anything. How often do we go through what we're going through, freaking out over our finances, freaking out over our children, freaking out over whatever relational thing we got going on and forgot that Jesus is the one who did all this. And he can make all this right. He can bring peace in every situation. So peace is not 
in something. It doesn't come from something. It comes from someone. Number two, write this down. Peace comes most abundantly when we need Jesus most desperately. Peace comes most abundantly when we need Jesus most desperately. The disciples were just being obedient, and that storm arose. Many of our life's storms are sudden and unexpected, right? Often because the storm that we face is unexpected is what actually makes it so difficult. I think if we knew that a storm was coming, it would be a lot easier for us to prepare ourselves for that storm. Would you agree? If you knew, listen, I need everybody to look at me. If you knew in six months you're losing your job, and for six months you won't be able to find one, would, would you live differently now leading up to the six months? Answer? Yes, yes right? So, it's not the fact that we face storms that's sometimes always the hardest. It's the fact that it's so unexpected and it rocks our world that makes it harder. Y'all with me? Because if you had prep time for it, you could prepare your heart for it and then go through it. And it's still hard, but yet you've had time to prepare for it. But because of the fact that God doesn't allow that, the, the miscarriage that we had this week, nobody knew father that just passed away. Nobody knew. The funeral that we just did. Nobody knew. The diagnosis that you get. Nobody knows. Most of the storms in our life. The hearing of a doctor saying you have cancer. Sudden. My spouse is caught being unfaithful. Most of the time, sudden. Your job is terminated. Sudden. There's a wreck. Sudden. So let me just prepare you with this first and foremost is that you need to expect storms to be coming because we're in one of three phases. We're either, we're either about to go into a storm, we're either in the middle of a storm, or we just came out of a storm, but all of us are going to face storms in and of our lives, and I think Christianity has done a bad job of preparing people for storms. Jesus didn't say you're not going to have storms. He just said, I'm going to storm-proof your life, and I'll be with you, but we're still going to have some storms. Y'all with me? And so when we, when the peace of God comes most abundantly, though, when we need Jesus most desperately. Most of us don't want peace. You know what we want? We want calm conditions. That's what we want. We don't want peace. We want calm conditions. And unfortunately, Jesus has never promised us calm conditions. He's promised us him. Because remember, he's the peace. So the only thing that Jesus has promised you is that you could have him and have peace in him, but he never promised that life would be smooth sailing. But yet all of us want comfort and smooth sailing. That's what we really want, if we were really honest. Because here's the deal. Do you pray that God would do something in you in the midst of the storm, or do you pray, God, just have the storm go away? Right. If we're honest, we just say, get me out of the storm. But you don't realize in the midst of that, when you're in the storm, is when you cling to Jesus the most. So why would God take away the thing that's causing you to want him the most? Y'all with me? So God's peace comes abundantly when we need Jesus desperately. But here's the deal in that. May it not come to a place where storms have to happen for us to need Jesus desperately. May we, may we be at a place where we need Jesus desperately when it's calm. Y'all with me? Okay. Peace is not, let me just set, the, set it straight here. Peace is not a clear doctor's report. 
And let me just say this right now. Um, Pastor Bubba goes tomorrow for a very big test. So be praying for him, for, for everything that he's walking through. Um, not because something's bad, it's just every year he's got to take this big test. And so please be praying for our senior pastor tomorrow as he goes into that. All of our elders have already surrounded him and prayed with him. But just be praying. Maybe tomorrow if you want to text him and just go, I love you. Praying for you today. We know how the enemy lies. But peace is, is not a clear doctor's report. Peace isn't where there's no conflict in your marriage. Peace isn't absolutely certain about your future. That's not peace. That's not peace. Peace is Jesus. And it's Jesus' presence that should fill you with peace in the midst of unpeaceful situations and circumstances. It's the knowledge of the fact that Jesus is with you even if the report comes back bad. That Christ is with you in the midst of the tense moments in your marriage. That Christ is with you in your present needs and that he's already waiting for you in your future. God brings his peace into situations where we're most afraid and most frightened, not where there is no fear. You don't need peace when you're not afraid. You need peace where there's the ability to get to have anxiety and fear. And God puts us in situations that brings that out of us for us to sense and feel his overwhelming peace in our lives. And then number three, we'll wrap this up. So peace comes not from something, but from someone. Peace comes most abundantly when we need Jesus most desperately. And number three, peace comes from the inside out, not the outside in. Philippians chapter four, verse six, it says this. Do not be anxious about anything. How's that going for you? Oh, don't be anxious about anything. Okay, all right, sure enough. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Now, verse seven, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. I love this because how many want the peace of God? Come on, we all want the peace of God. I love this, that, that you're gonna get so much peace that you're gonna be in the midst of something that's just so crazy so crazy that people are going, how are you dealing with that? And you're going to go, I don't know. I don't know. That's what peace beyond all understanding. I don't know. I don't know how I'm doing it. It's got to be Jesus because I would be a basket case right now. Which surpasses all understanding and watch what it's going to do. It's, it's going to go on the active. It's going to guard your heart and it's going to guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Now I want us to just... Remember this, Paul is writing this, and where is he writing this from? Prison. Hey, it's easy to say the peace of God surpasses all understandings when you're like on Hawaii, on a vacation. Come on. Being honest here, it's kind of hard to write about Thanksgiving and, hey, don't be anxious. Hey, I'm in a prison cell, you know. Don't be anxious. They want to kill me. Oh, don't worry. The peace of God will surpass all understandings. And, and, and I think, I mean, this is just how I read when I read, you know, read the Bible. I think when he got to, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will, he looks up. And what does he see standing in front of his prison cell? A guard. That's what it is. He'll guard our minds and our hearts. 
in Christ Jesus. The peace of God is like a prison cell guard that literally stands in front of your heart and your mind and says, nope, that's not coming in. Nope, that's not coming in. Nope, that's not coming in. Nope, nope, not that. Nope, not that either. Nope, that's not either. How many would like something like that? That continually will fight all of that stuff that's coming in your life. Because here's, here's where we got to really wrestle with this. You can't fix what is wrong on the inside by re- rearranging everything that's happening on the outside. Most of us think that it's an outside problem, but it's not. It's an inside problem. So the, what are the disciples doing? Freaking out. What's going on? What's going on? Wake up, Jesus. You're sleeping. You don't care what's going on. You don't love us. Jesus is like, oh, my. Oh, God. Okay. Gets up and says, peace, be still. <sighs> And then you got to imagine what the disciples are like. I mean, just like jaws on the ground. And Jesus turns around to them. And what does he say? Look what he says. He says, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? Why was, why was God testing them? He was testing their faith. He was testing their faith. Sometimes God will take you to places you don't want to go to produce in you things you can't produce on your own. Amen. I'll say that again. Sometimes God will take you to places you don't want to go to produce in you things you can't produce on your own. Amen. So how do you experience peace? Well, guess what? God puts you in a situation where you need peace. And you remember, you know, I'm sure you've heard people say this. Like, man, I just pray that God would make me patient. So what's he going to do? What's he going to do? He gonna, you're going to go Black Friday shopping, right? That's what's going to happen. Okay. God, I don't want to be angry anymore. Then you're really going to go Black Friday shopping, and we're going to find out. We're going to find out. God, I just want, I want to love you, Jesus, like, you know, like, like no better than anybody in the world. So what's he going to do? He's going to have you get married. And then you're like, God, I don't want to have any selfishness in my heart. Like, I want to be pure heart towards you. And then you have children. Okay, I'm the only real one in here. All right. I'm the only one that's selfish. I apologize. I will let you all preach next weekend. But I bet one of the reasons we're so anxious, if you look at the very beginning of this, it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. I would bet that oftentimes we are so anxious is because we're not thankful for what we already have. Anxiousness is a lot of times birthed out of a place of ungratefulness for what you already have. If you would learn to just be grateful for what you have, you wouldn't be anxious for what you don't. Anxiousness, now watch this. Anxiousness opens the door for fear. That's what we see right here. Worry and anxiousness for these disciples. Man, they're afraid. But here's what prayer and thankfulness does. According to Philippians 6, prayer and thankfulness closes the door and peace guards the door. So peace guards the doors of our heart and mind where prayer and thankfulness close those doors. Come on, let, let it, let me just strip this down and make this real practical. So, you know, things are going down at your job. Things are going down in your marriage. Things are going down in your family. Things are happening in, in your life, and you're just freaking out. Things are happening. And, and so here's how, here this, when you start freaking out, what enters in? Fear. Door opens. Fear comes in. Lies come in. Things start coming your way. Your mind starts racing. And most of our anxiety is about something in the future that hasn't happened and most of the time will never happen. 
I'm telling you, worry oftentimes is us worrying about something in the future that will never happen. It may, but most of the time it doesn't. Anyway, so all of that happens, all that starts flooding in, fear starts flooding in, and when we go to the Lord in prayer and thankfulness, when we come to the Lord and go, God, we sing a song like, you know, you're strong and you're good, you're, God, you've given me great gifts, you're faithful. Okay, can I, I'll just, I'll just share how we're doing this right now with Joel. This has been two years for us. Fear, worry, your son's going to die, things aren't looking good, bad reports, all this stuff's coming in, and so what do we do? We run to the Lord and we go, God, you're good, you're faithful, you're strong, you are a healer. And guess what? When that happens, God, thank you for what you're doing in us. Thank you for the lives you're impacting. Thank you that it's not about me. Guess what it does? It shuts the door, shuts the door. And then when that happens, the peace of God comes and guards those doors. Okay? Remember, yet again, you don't get God's peace abundantly until you need Jesus desperately. The way you need Jesus desperately is through prayer. Prayer shows our desperations for the Lord. And so the way that we get change, the way that we get peace, is the prince of peace comes and resides on the inside, not the outside. That is why you have Paul and, uh, and Silas in prison praising the Lord. Beat, tired, praising the Lord, thanking the Lord. Why? Peace. There's peace there. And the Holy Spirit will give you peace in the most unpeaceful situations. If you'll just cry out to him. Say, God, I just need... Remember, we're not praying that just that the situation would be absolved. We're saying, God, what do you want to do in me in this. Y'all with me? Because if you don't ask that question, God will just bring another round at some other point. Because, listen, the only thing God is after in your life is what? Your heart. It's what he wants more than anything. And all of us want verse 7. Peace of God, surpassing, guarding. We all want verse 7. The problem is you got to go through verse 6 to get verse 7. That's how it works. See, the real waves that I, that I fear for all of you in this church, the real waves that are going to take you out in life, they're not out there, they're in here. They're not out there, they're in here. The waves that are going to take you out are not out there, they're in here. They're in here. They're in your mind. They're the, the lies that you believe. The real waves are within. You will never have peace until you learn how to speak to the waves that are within you. Until you learn to speak to the things that are trying to come over you. So when the waves come, and here comes fear, and here comes panic, and here comes worry, and here comes depression, and here comes lies, we, we hit it with the word of God. We speak back to it what God says that we are, that I'm more than an overcomer, that greater is he that is in me. We begin to speak to the things that are within us. God has given us breath in our life. He's given us a spirit that's stronger than any storm. And if you need peace today in your life, you need peace in your job, you need peace in your relationships, you need peace in the middle of a medical report, if you need that, then you need Jesus. Jesus is the only answer to all of this. He is the Prince of Peace. It's not in something, it's in someone, and when we reach out to him desperately, he gives it abundantly, and then he begins to change us from the inside out. Amen.
I want to do this this morning, just right where you are. If you need peace or something that's going on, or maybe you're about to walk into a situation, especially with Christmas time, or maybe you've been wrestling already with something, and you need the peace of God more than ever, would you just stand? All across this room, just stand up if you need the peace of God in your life. Come on. Great. Great. Come on, God. Come on. Mm. Worship team, can we come on? Let's go, guys. Would you just lift your hands for all those that are standing up? And I believe, yet again, uh, this is not a cliche that we say. God's abundant peace comes and we are desperate for him. So God, we come right now, and Lord, for those that are standing this morning, we come with a desperation in our hearts, in our lives, that say, God, we need you. We need you. We need wisdom. We need grace. But God, we need peace. We need peace. And Lord, we know that even in praying for peace, that that may not even mean that the situation changes, but it can mean that we change. can mean that we change. More than anything, that's that's what we want to see happen, God. We want to see you give us new perspective. God, give us new heart. Peace of God right now, would would you come and flood hearts? Those that have been filled this entire week with worry, and anxiety and fear, the lies of the enemy that's been coming against them, even maybe lies they've even spoken over themselves, of their value. Spirit of God, right now, would you wash over every person this morning? God, would you flood their hearts and their minds? And right now, I want us to practice this, okay? Right there where you are, I want you to begin to tell the Lord what you're thankful for. We're going to close this door right now, okay? We're going to close this door. This is how we do it, all right? So we've got to participate in this process. So right there where you are, if you want to do it under your breath, you want to do it out loud, it don't matter. But right there, I want you just to pray before the Lord. One, declare your need for him. And then two, I want you just out of, out of your heart, you just begin to share with the Lord what, what you're grateful for, what you're thankful for. Fear and worry wants us to always look at the lack But gratitude always wants us to look at the things that he's already provided. So right now, just begin to tell the Lord. Tell him what you're grateful for. God, just thankful. God, thankful for my wife. And that that might be the area of conflict. But God, we're just thankful for her. Thankful for my husband. Thankful for her job. God, thank you that you're our provider. God, thank you that you're good. God, thank you that you've been a friend. Thank you that you've been a father to the fatherless. God, thank you that you've been our comforter. Thank you that you've been our provider. Thank you that you've been whatever it is. You just tell the Lord right there. So God, I pray right now, Lord, as people lift up their voices before you and lift up their hearts before you in prayer and gratitude, that you would do what verse 7 says, that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding would flood them and that you would guard their hearts and minds this morning. Jesus' name. Amen.